Welcome to On the Shoulders of Giants. I am Dave Griffith, here with the production planner to the gods, Max Krug. Say hi, Max. Hello, everyone. Thanks, Dave, for having me on today. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so today, uh, today we've got a very interesting show. We're, we're going to kind of finish up our thoughts of productivity, and then we're going to dig into the design sprint that we've talked about in the previous shows and talk about how it supports productivity as well as looking at the system perspectives and and some leverage points. Um, so Max, I'm gonna go ahead and start out and ask if you can kind of define what productivity is um, in the operational excellence realm. Okay, so if we look at the generic definition of productivity, it's basically, you know, we look at a process input, process output. The productivity definition is getting more outputs with the same level of inputs. And if I look at it from a production methodology or a business methodology, it's getting more with the resources that you have. So that's our whole basis of our whole operational excellence philosophy is not reducing resources, not trying to make people work harder. It's getting more through the system with the resources that we have. Okay. So I, I need to ask Max, and, and I feel like I ask this question every time you say, we're going to help people do more with less. So we're going to help people do more without increasing the, the level of inputs. And almost exclusively when we talk level of inputs in business and manufacturing and, and industry, we, we talk about cash, right? Like we're either investing in people or equipment or systems or kind of all of those things. So I guess first, how did you get to the, we should help companies do more with less level? First, how did you get there? And then can you give us an example of how you help companies do that? A lot of times when I go into companies, especially over the last five or six years, I always heard people saying, oh, we can't find good people. We can't find good people. We need more resources. We're short on resources. And when I started to study the companies, what I found was that they're not short on resources. They're not utilizing the resources they have correctly. Interesting. Okay. I started to focus on that and say, okay, they're complaining about not having enough resources but do they really understand how to best utilize the resources that they have? And what I found is a lot of companies don't know how to best utilize the resources that they have. And it's always like more is better. Okay. Oh, let's get more people. Let's get more machines. Let's expand our building. Let's expand our footprint. And they do all those things. And then the business results don't get better. Okay. So I started to step back and say, what's, what's happening. People are doing all these actions and expanding and getting more and getting more, but it's not getting more output. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I, so the, the return on investments were, if you did the calculation, what they thought they were going to get return on investment, and what they actually got were two different things. Okay. I, I like that. And then I will, I will add an example to that. I, I've had many conversations uh, with especially manufacturing facilities who they continue to add more and they continue, they continue to add more people and more lines and equipment. And then eventually they run out of space. And then sometimes they, they build a bigger facility or they blow out a wall. And then it's at, at, 
some point you, you run out of space uh, or you potentially run out of CapEx money that you can spend in the short term before you go back and look at how am I utilizing my resources? What is the, uh, am I getting the most or am I getting even half of what I should be getting out of the equipment that I've purchased? Uh, because almost exclusively, if you purchase equipment at some sort of baseline or quota and you do a runoff, you might continue to stay at that level for a week or two before it just kind of teeters down into, into a less, into, into something significantly less. Um, and so I, I would, I would agree. Yes. I, I would agree with that. Okay. I, I, I like that. I like the defining productivity of getting more outputs with the same level of inputs. So I think that that makes, I think that that makes sense. And so let, let's talk about how, I guess let's talk about what a design sprint is and let's talk about how it supports productivity. Can, do you want to give everyone a brief overview of what you as Max Krug and Future State Engineering define a design sprint as? So a design sprint is a short, and you know, just from the word sprint, it means it's a short, fast-paced engagement to basically design the company's future state. Okay. And typically that future state is a year, year and a half, two years from now. And when we find the environment's changing so fast, it's impossible to put a five-year plan in place. Mm -hmm. So we want to sprint to design the future state, what we're going to look like six months, a year, year and a half, two years from now. Okay. And the objectives of it are really three things. One, get the right mindset of the organization to achieve breakthrough improvement. To get the breakthrough improvement, we realize that you can't use the same thinking that you've used in the past to get breakthrough improvement. Mm -hmm. It's sort of a quote that I like from Einstein. He said, we can't use the same thinking to solve the problems you know, that were created by the problems that we used in the past. So we can't use the same thinking to solve problems that created the problems in the first place. So to get out of that mindset of, okay, in order to get breakthrough, we got to do something different. Then the second objective is to get buy-in from everybody that they believe that through the training and through the future state design, that it actually is achievable. And then the third step is to actually get an executable plan that the company can execute. And since the team designs the solution themselves, we achieved two and three of getting the buy-in and it's a plan that can be executed. Okay. I, I, I like that. Um, <clears throat> I like that. So uh, it's, it's a quick process. And we talked about designing the future state, but before you design the future state, you go and sit down and have conversations with the team, with all the participants, and you figure out what, what you guys call the current state is, right? You help determine where they are now, uh, and then you do that with yeah. the goal in mind of helping them build this plan, right? So can you, can you talk like, how have you gotten to the point of sitting down and having kind of all of these conversations uh, with, with the participants to, to figure out the current state. And then what is the process that you go through to help them figure out what the future state is going to become? Okay. We want to be able to look at the company holistically because we understand that 
within organizations, there's interdependencies and there's interrelationships. So what that means is actions in one function can cause positive or negative actions in another function. Okay. And then one function, the interdependency is one function is dependent on another function. So I can't purchase materials until engineering creates the bill of material to what I need to purchase. So there's a dependency between engineering and purchasing, but also there's interrelationships of, oh, if purchasing goes out and buys the cheapest materials, it can have negative effects in other departments. So I had one company where the purchasing was buying cheap materials and the manufacturing machining department was chewing up tooling in an accelerated rate. Okay. So that's an interrelationship. They're buying cheap materials and it has negative effects for their machining department. There's no dependency there. It's an interrelationship. So when we interview people, we're looking for those two things. What are the dependencies? So what is our people dependent on in the organization? So we're doing interviews with different functions and understanding how other functions are preventing them from being effective. So engineering is complaining about sales because sales doesn't get all the information from the customer to be able to engineer the product correctly. And finance is complaining about, you know, operations because they have way too much inventory and sales are complaining about operations because we don't have enough inventory. I can't sell it because we don't have it. So I'm looking for all these um, relationship problems or conflicts between functions. And so I'm just letting people complain about their job. So people are good at that about (laughs) complaining about their job and all the issues that they deal with day to day. Okay. So Max Krug therapist. Um, if, if future state engineering doesn't work for you, I think you have a, a good, uh, you know, second or third profession in, in therapy. We can get a nice, you know, comfortable sofa and people can, can lie down virtually and, and tell you their problems. So yep. I like that, Max. And then I, I think a point to, to bring up is we talked about dependencies and interrelationships and you talked about kind of interviewing everyone. Uh, so specifically in the example of you know, procurement is buying cheap materials, which in case anyone didn't know, Max and I both hate the concept of we're going to buy cheap stuff just to buy cheap stuff. And it causes, you know, it, it causes production to chew through a bunch of tooling. It is a, it is an interrelationship, right? Um, one, yep. one is going to, one, one quite literally leads to the other, but was this something, yep. is, is that example something that many end users understand before you get everyone into a room, like does does procurement know them buying cheap, uh, cheap cheap raw materials is going to cause an issue with all of the tooling? No, that's the funny part. And so most companies, I'm amazed at how within companies people are working just in their own department and they don't understand how it's affecting other departments within the same company. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's just because I look at it from a different perspective, but the people in manufacturing are being beat on because their tooling expense is going up like crazy. So they're blaming them for, you know, high tooling expense when it's not their fault. It's the purchasing issue mm-hmm. and purchasing is trying to do their best job by, you know, they're measured by cost savings. Mm-hmm. So there's a misalignment between the measurement that the functions are doing and the, the, trying to optimize that measurement and then the negative effects is created from that. 
and nobody's making the connection between the negative effect and the cause. Yep. A lot of companies I see aren't good at problem solving. What is problem solving? It's connecting the effect to the cause. And if I'm just sitting in my own function, in my own world, in my own department, I'm not understanding the effects I'm causing other departments in the company, especially negative effects, because that's what the people are complaining about. Absolutely. So let's take this one step further. Let's say Max isn't involved in this. Who, in your opinion, like what would be the correct person or job function to be looking at these dependencies and interrelationships? Is there someone who should be a vice president of operational excellence? Um, like, is it that because operations like doesn't fit the mold because operations isn't over procurement? Yes. And they're, they're probably not going to be having these questions. No one's probably getting a pop-up on their spreadsheet that shows a decreased cost of raw materials and an increased cost of tooling, which leads to an increased cost of man hours, right? So it, it'll lead to an increased cost. Of, I mean, it, it leads to like a catastrophic series of, I mean, we almost want to call them failures, right? But it yes. leads to a catastrophic, yep. you know, series of, of failures that increase everything else. And I don't think I've ever seen a system that is smart enough to say, hey, Dave, you cheaped out on this material because you cheaped out on this material. It costs you more in the long run and it takes longer to get these things done. So would you say it should be like, I guess, would you suggest that companies look at a person who is in charge of operational excellence um, or could it potentially be like a continuous improvement or do you think continuous improvement is too low on the food I still chain? think it's too low. So maybe supply chain, yeah, like a VP of supply chain. And it's yeah. interesting you say that because if you look at the lean methodology, you know, they challenge the concept of departmental silos mm -hmm. and really you need to look at it from a value stream perspective so we don't want the we don't want the um authority to be in a silo in a department we want the authority to be across the value stream absolutely so switching from that silo mentality to a supply chain mentality is what companies need to go through interesting no i i i like i like that i i generally agree with that, I guess personally, when I see supply chain, I generally don't consider that being a person who has maybe enough production experience, right? Well, I guess when I see supply chain, I think more on the procurement side or the procurement and distribution, but industry, the manufacturing, the, the actual process that we do to make the goods is it's kind of a black box. And I don't generally historically see a lot of supply chain people roll up their sleeves and dig into that black box. Is, is that an area that you would think needs further looking like, or do you think that yes. that is an area? Okay. okay yes. So do, do you, would, would, do you think, or maybe in many of the clients that you have, you, you find this breakthrough improvement. We'll talk about some of, we've talked about some of those examples. We'll talk more about those examples, but you find this breakthrough improvement. When you, I, I imagine at some point you move away from Max or future state engineering is living on site, right? Do, is, is there generally a person that kind of rises up internally 
to help fill some of those goals and to help lead some of those initiatives? Yeah, so we really want the president to take that role or the CEO. And when we look at the supply chain, a minimum, the person responsible needs to be looking at three links in the chain, suppliers, Mm -hmm. your own organization, customers. Now, the more you can expand that, maybe you go back to suppliers, suppliers, and customers, customers, the broader we can make that supply chain, what's inclusive in that, the more you'll understand the cause and effect relationship between the departmental um, decisions. Mm-hmm. So somebody that has responsibility of the whole organization, and of course, that's the CEO, the president, mm-hmm. they need to be the one looking at the whole organization and minimum supply and customers, those three links, and trying to understand we want to optimize those three links, not optimize elements of that. So the chain analogy that we talk about, Mm -hmm. we can talk about that in one of our sessions is, you know, looking at the chain, chain is made up of interdependent and um, interrelated links. Mm -hmm. So actions that I take on one link might affect the chain negatively or positively, or might not affect it at all. I I like that, Max. I, I agree that I think it has to be from the highest levels, right? Like this has to be core to who we are as an organization. And I mean, honestly, if we look at, I would say any organization, regardless of industry, you know, looking at, from the suppliers through process, through customers, and maybe suppliers, suppliers, and customers, customers, either those three or those five links. I mean, th- that is basically the core of every business, right? Yep. You have some amount of inputs from your suppliers. You have, I mean, most everyone has some amount of process, and then we've got our outputs to our customers and maybe our customers, customers, if we're, we're distributing specifically, and that that is the, the core of, of every business. So I like that. Kind of one last follow-up question on this position is, do you, while I agree that a president or CEO is the best person to do it, do you think that that is realistic for most organizations to take, Max is shaking his head now, to to take like an already overwhelmed position, right? Like if the president or CEO is doing this, no one would ever call Max, right? No one would ever call Dave because they would already understand Lean and Six Sigma and TOC and, and Deming's points. And they would under, they would not only understand it, but they would be implementing it because it. that, yes, yep. applying it because that is core to their business. And so people are, are not doing that. So do, do you think that maybe as we look into the later 2020s, that, that we will see more organizations kind of take this as, as a core competency and maybe similar to like the CIO, uh, so like the chief IT officer or the chief uh, secure, cybersecurity officer, do you think that we'll find more organizations have some sort of operational excellence officer or operational excellence vice president? Yeah, so I hope so. And Part of our implementations when I started, you know, a few years ago implementing, you know, I find it's real easy to go off track and mm-hmm. get sidetracked. Yes. And so what we implemented as part of that is a steering committee. Okay. So the steering committee is is filling this function that you just talked about. We have cross-functional leaders from the company, as many functions as possible. So one company we have the president, the VP of sales, the VP of operations, 
the VP of Finance, um, the Human Resources Director, the Plant Manager, and the Maintenance Manager. So we're trying to get and purchase. Someone has responsible for purchasing. So we're trying to get as much cross-functional representation in that steering committee. And the steering committee is the one that's reviewing what are the next actions that we're going to take, what results that we get from the actions we did take, and are we still on track of the implementation plan? So that's how I'm filling that need in the short term Mm -hmm. of this one person that has responsibility of the whole supply chain. I, I, I like that. I think that makes sense. And I would say even if you were to have a person whose position it is to kind of be responsible for that, having a steering committee, for example, would be very important in and of itself because, I mean, having kind of the, the highest level of, kind of many organizations, uh, many people in the organization, like that is important, right? It, it, is, it is difficult to get, I'm sure it's difficult to get all of those people into the same meeting at the same 30 to 60 minutes once a week or once a month or any of those things. And so anytime that you can get all of that brain power into a room is uh, is going to be very important. Okay, so I, I like that. I think that we will certainly continue to discuss this more, uh, but, but talking about implementation. So you had mentioned one, you design a design sprint, right? So design sprint, short term, we can say most organizations, or at least most organizations when Max comes in, are not going to have five years of plan because in 2022, as we sit now, that that is unrealistic, right? It is not realistic to have five years of plan, uh, you know, six months, 12 months, 18 months, absolutely. What happens on let's call it month 13, Max, let's say you come in, you have a a goal of this is what we want to do in the first 14 months and your month 13 and you're done or substantially done. Is, is there like a continuous cycle of figuring out what's next and kind of always adding to the next phase of the implementation when you go and help customers? How does that look? Yes. So, Part of the implementation is to transfer the knowledge and skills to be able to sustain the improvements. So not only sustain the improvements, but give the employees in the organization the skills to continue doing what we did in the first you know, 12 or 13 months. Because I don't want to come back and redo something that we did. Mm-hmm. I tell customers, if you have to hire me to come back and do redo something we did, I'm going to charge you twice the price. <laughs> so part of the 12 month engagement, if it's a 12 month, we're coaching, we're handhelding, holding, we're training, we're mentoring, we're giving them the competence to be able to continue this because there's unlimited opportunities for improvement. Yep. So we need to coach them and train them to be able to continue this. And it's once, you know, the engagement's done with us, we hope that the company has enough competence to continue that on and to be able to keep that momentum going, you know, forward. Okay. So we're not looking to have, you know, five-year engagements with companies or, you know, two years maximum, depending on the culture of the organization and where the starting point is. Typically we can get a lot done in the first three months, mm-hmm. significant improvement in six months, a year there, 
totally on the road of continuous improvement and things are stable and the company's growing and profitability is going up and productivity's at a much higher rate. Okay. No, I, I, I like that. I, I think that that, I think that that makes sense. And I think that on a later show, we're going to have to go through and talk through some of the tools because I know that you guys use a bunch of kind of just general tools from industry and you use some of them in, in some slightly different ways. Um, I know that specifically like the three proposals that you guys use when you talk about, hey, this is how we're going to tackle uh, th- this specific problem and kind of yep. lay out all of that. That That is a standard tool. Is it lean? Is it Six Sigma? I forget which. It's a lean tool. So there's two A3s. There's an A3 for problem solving. That's probably the one most people are familiar yep. with. But we use the A3 proposal mm-hmm. method. So it's we're trying to get some you know objective implemented. So we're using the proposal A3 to describe all the elements of what needs to happen to get that objective accomplished. So we're not solving a problem. We want to like, Mm -hmm. we need to, you know, an example of one is we need to have a system for, you know, prioritizing maintenance activities. Mm -hmm. And so the objective is to achieve that. And then the A3 tells us everything we need to have in place to achieve that objective. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and I like that. I had not seen that used in the wild quite like how you guys use it um, until you kind of had shown it to me. So I think that we should put together a list of those tools. And there are many tools. I, I think that they're, they're maybe the best way to describe it is there are many tools that Max and FSE use probably the right way, which is very different than many other ways that, that I, I have seen them used or maybe misused in the past. So we will put together a list of those. There are a bunch of problem solving tools um, and, and worksheets and documents that you guys use that, that we will put together as a, as a follow-up uh, maybe in, in a couple of shows after we go through and talk about the interconnectedness of all of the schools of thought out of, uh, out of Deming's uh, 14 points that, that, that he had come up with. So I, I like that, Max. Um, and so I want to make a quick comment here. So when we're doing the implementation, you know, we have a direction of what we're trying to accomplish, mm-hmm. how we get there. We don't know the details because when we implement one, you know, we start working on one initiative and when we get that implemented, we need to assess, okay, we have predicted effects that we think are going to come out of this implementation of this initiative. But, you know, reality is, it might not be exactly what we expected. Mm -hmm. So now, okay, here's the outcome that we do have. Okay. Is that sufficient to move to the next objective or not? Mm -hmm. If it's not, we need to do a little bit more work and there might be some other techniques we use. If it is, okay, we're going to start the next initiative. There's a set of tools and concepts. So we have this toolbox of all these tools that we use and the, critical thing is that we use the right tool at the right time and we implement it correctly. I like that. I think that that, that is very, I think that that is very important. I, yeah. Okay. So I, I like that a lot, Max. We will absolutely kind of we'll put that on the list and we'll go ahead and talk through it and we will see what we can do to white label some, some of these filled out tools, <laughs> uh, which, which will probably take longer than, than any of the, uh, the rest of this in order to uh, give some people some, uh, 
some pretty good examples, but I, I like that. We'll go and kind of talk through Max's toolbox. Maybe we'll call it Max's tackle box uh, for the show. And then we'll have to talk about Max and see if he's a fisherman, but, uh, but, but, but perfect. So. Cause I have companies ask me, well, what are all the tools that you're going to train us on? I don't know. Cause ah. I don't know. You know, I can put a plan together for the next couple of months, but I don't know what's going to happen nine months from now. Cause I don't know what the effects of what we're going to implement are going to be. So it's gotta be, you know, the P we prop, we promote the PDCA cycle. So it's these short plan, do check act cycles that we're implementing these and getting better and better results. But, you know, sometimes you get blindsided. It was like, Oh, I didn't expect that to happen. Yep. So I'll I, give you an example, the customer that we're working with now, you know, our goal was to get um, their make to stock. So our goal was to get finished goods inventory so that we could ship every order within 24 hours. So we want to measure 24 hour shipments in full. Okay. So we start aligning everything. We start getting productivity up. We start getting more and more product to finished goods. Well, demand's going up so fast. We can't get, we can't build finished goods. So our plan was to have finished goods inventory to ship from, we haven't been able to build finished goods inventory because everything we build, we sell. So yeah. now what do we do? It didn't go as planned. So now we need to like recalibrate on the fly and say, okay, we didn't expect that to happen. So now what are we going to do different? Yep. I, I would say that that's probably a good problem to have though, right? Yes. Like you plan to ship from finished goods inventory, but you're selling so much, right? Selling so much is, is always in my experience, the best problem to have. We're selling so much. Yes. We cannot have finished goods inventory to ship from. We're literally pulling it from the hands of everyone. Perfect. And so Max, uh, towards the beginning, you were talking about looking at this as a system. In fact, we've talked about systems in a couple of different ways, both system perspectives and kind of the, the chain links and how everything is interconnected. Uh, but most of the people that you talk to don't necessarily look at their company as from a system perspective. Is that correct? Is, is this That's a correct. kind of differentiator? Okay. Can you kind of explain what I guess, can you explain what you mean by system perspective? And can you explain kind of the process that you go through with your customers to help explain how their company is just a, a system or a series of systems? Yeah, so we use the value stream map. We use two tools, what we call a current reality tree and a value stream map. And the value stream map shows us how the information flows and how the product flows or the service from start to finish, from the receipt of the customer order till we deliver that order to the customer. And so that gives us a sense of what's the interrelationships and interdependencies from a, a flow information or information of flow and information of product or service. Then the interrelationships I'm doing through the interviews. So now I get both the interdependencies and the interrelationships in a system is just that. It's a combination of processes that have interrelated and interdependent relationships. And you can define the system however you want. So you can look at, you know, the whole organization as a system. You can look at the whole supply chain as a system. Mm -hmm. You define how big you want to, what you want to include in the system, but it's multiple roles, multiple responsibilities, multiple resources. Okay. So anytime you have more than one resource, you can define it as a system. 
Okay. I, I mean, I, I agree, right? <laughs> I agree. I don't think that there, there's anything to, to disagree. And so you, you get to the, the system perspective, you use the value stream mapping in which you quite literally, you know, map what a process looks like. Yep. And you talk about interrelationships and interdependencies and you build yep. the reality trees. And by going through those processes, you basically, you open up the eyes of the people that you're talking with to realize, I guess one, we're, we're not alone, right? Like I'm not actually fighting against the person that I think I'm fighting against. We're, we're potentially fighting against a broken system and the system is probably broken yes. because we don't realize it's a system. Yes. Okay. And I have a term I use in companies called you're a victim of the system. And people are like, well, what does that mean? It means I'm trying to do a good job mm-hmm. and I'm trying to do the best in my job but I'm being prevented because of all these other outside forces that I have no control over. And I'm saying outside forces from my role, yes, my responsibility within the organization. Absolutely. No, I, I agree with that. Uh, one, one quick story. Uh, I, I think one of the most eye-opening conversations I've ever had with Max, Max and I, uh, we, we were on site and we, we go to sit down and do some problem solving. And a couple of folks from leadership were in there to kick us off and said something to the effect of, please tell us what the actual problem was. It may or may not include us as leadership, right? Like it may or may not include us as a system that we have done things to prevent ourselves to succeed. Um, And and now, as I say that out loud, that's almost a hundred percent Max's fault for them having self uh, realization and self actualization um, in there. But understanding that, anyone within the system, like that there are things that everyone is generally going to try to do a good job. The, the value of looking at it as a system is hopefully we all agree we're on the same side. And if the system is broken, we can go ahead and fix it. Perfect. And then as you go through kind of all of this process, design sprint into the tool talk and the implementation and looking at the systems, yeah, you kind of briefly mentioned a couple of leverage points. Can you define and kind of talk about what leverage points look like? Yeah, so leverage point is some point in the system where we can put a little bit of effort and get exponential gains. Okay. So it's basically from Archimedes where he said, you know, if I had a, a leverage point and a lever long enough, I could move the earth. So, you know, from physics, the concept is, okay, if I have a lever and a leverage point, where do I need to put the where do I need to put the lever and where's my leverage point? And if I can just do a little bit of effort, I can get big gains. So it's in organizations we're looking for, okay, where are the biggest disruptions and where are the biggest issues that are causing other issues to happen? Because one issue is causing more issues. Absolutely. So let's go back to this example of buying cheap material. So I buy cheap material because I'm the purchasing manager and I'm, measured on how much cost savings I generate for the company. And then we're chewing up tooling at an exponential rate. Well, when I chew up tooling, machine utilization goes down. Because yep. I got to stop more, more frequently to change out tooling or to you know change my insert or rotate my insert. And so now my utilization on the machine goes down. Now, Output starts to suffer because if that's a bottleneck area, 
my utilization goes down. Now the output of the company starts to reduce. Yep. Now we show less profitability. So you can start to see the cause and effect relationship of one decision, how it's affecting the outcome of the business. Mm -hmm. So I start with the business outcomes and say, where are you suffering the most? Oh, we have late deliveries. We have long lead times. We're constantly expediting. We're, we don't have any cash. We have, uh, you know, customers screaming at us. And so I start to look at those and then go back and say, okay, so what's causing these to happen? And when I start to isolate where the causes, where the initiating cause is coming from, that's a potential leverage point. Say, hey, if we just change this one thing, it could have changing negative effects to positive effect. Okay, what happens if we buy more expensive material? Mm -hmm. Well, what could happen is, tooling costs go down, machine utilization goes up, mm -hmm. more units get out the door, more stuff ships on time, customers don't scream, profitability goes up. That's what we call a leverage point where I can mm -hmm. make that one change in that one function and it's giving me positive effects in multiple functions as a result. I love it, Max. Um, I love it. I think that that's a fantastic example. Uh, I would say there are probably many people with many questions um, about what uh, what we've talked about. Um, so you guys can absolutely go ahead and check in the show notes. Uh, we will have the Future State Engineering website uh, that you can go ahead and, and check out if there are thoughts and questions. Um, and then we, we are certainly going to continue to answer all of these questions and more uh, further into uh, as we get into as we get into. Wow. Hold on. <clears throat> and we will certainly answer all of these questions and more as we get further into uh, into the podcast. So I'm going to say that this is a good point to end it. I want to thank all of our listeners. If you guys want to, please go ahead and visit uh, Max at Future State Engineering. Go check out all of the shows on manufacturinghub.live. Uh, where shoulders on, on the shoulders of giants, our show is uh, is co-located. Um, and beyond that, we will catch everyone uh, next episode.